and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Today, I wanted to highlight some examples of the game that prevent many of us, including myself, from living our best life. And what that even means is different for all of us, and there is no right answer. So today, I'm going to highlight some examples of the game to be aware of, going to look at some questions we can ask ourselves to see where we are at in that best life category and finally talk about meaning and how do we get it out of every day. Some examples of the game to be aware of, I think of expectations, right? Most expectations seem to me to be traps of the game, traditions, if you will, the, well, we've always done it that way, bullshit, stuff like that. Yeah, get a job, start earning money as soon as possible, get good grades so you can go to college. Hey, you need a college degree to get a good job, and you need a good job to afford the lifestyle, and you got to work till you're 65 to, and save up, because then you can start living your life. You know, postpone all of your dreams until the twilight of your life. That's the game, that's the expectations, that's the shit we're talking about. You know, get a good job, start earning money as soon as you can. And personally, I almost let my 15-year-old daughter fall for this one. And thankfully, her reservations helped me see the insanity of her taking an eight to five summer job. She applied at a summer camp and was offered a position to work pretty much her whole summer, right? Five out of the eight weeks she had off for break. And now when she first said she wanted to get a job and earn money, I mean, as a dad, I was so proud of her, right? She initiated all of that. She applied. She interviewed. She did everything by herself. So as a dad, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. You know, the worst thing in the world is having to, you know, drag your fucking teenager kicking and screaming. That sucks. I was so excited she wanted this for herself. And then a few days after the interview, she said she wasn't sure if she wanted the job, if she gets it. And her reservations just got me thinking. First as a parent, knowing my 15-year-old is going to be bummed out, missing her whole summer fun to go punch a clock at age 15. Because my family and I try to get out on the boat every chance we get when the weather's nice. So I'm just seeing, like, we're packing up the boat to go spend a day on some beach and she's packing up her lunch pail and riding her bike to work every day? That's not going to go over well. My kids aren't equipped to understand the sacrifice now for reward later. If anyone suffers from FOMO the most, it's kids. And then my wife said something I did not consider because I'm a fucking guy and I have some pretty significant matrix you know, programming, indoctrination built into my, my guy brain. But my wife pointed out my daughter would miss a summer with her friends, her summer friends that are only around for a few weeks each summer. And man, that got me thinking, like, what kind of hypocritical, out-of-touch a-hole am I being right now? Like, why the hell would I want my 15-year-old daughter to start the rat race now? And then I just started thinking about all this shit. I'm like, man, we send her to a self-directed school so she could be a kid and have the freedom to explore her interests and be happy. And quick sidebar, kids are supposed to be happy. Did you know that? I didn't know that. When I heard that, I was like, holy shit, that makes so much sense. And I felt bad for making my kids miserable. But of course, kids are supposed to be happy. Why wouldn't they? If they have a loving and supporting family around them, they shouldn't have any worries. Kids get everything they need. Fucking food, shelter, toys, love, opportunities, vacations, a goddamn chauffeur service to and from every goddamn activity. Right? All their basic needs and then some are always taken care of. So if your kid isn't happy and doesn't love going to school, you got to ask yourself, why not? Right? Try to identify the source of anxiety that's putting your kid in a constant state of fight or flight. 
Anyway, knowing the damage the game can have on kids, I, I can't believe I didn't have better awareness and ask my daughter some basic questions before she even filled out the application. Like, why do you want a job? Do you think you need to get one? Are you trying to show us you're responsible? What, why? What's your motivation? Because when I asked her those questions, she didn't have a good answer for any of them. So I chalked that up to the power of the game. Her perception has been influenced to think that she needs a job. I don't know, to be able to afford products or some shit. And the marketing game is on point. They have always known how to psychologically influence people to buy shit. But today with the amazing amount of data they have on consumers, like we don't stand a chance, especially kids. They know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, when to nudge us, etc. Add in the social media element and it's game over for consumers. And don't get me wrong, I've bought a lot of stupid shit. I've gotten caught scrolling many a times and made someone a sale on my phone. So get good grades so you can go to college is another part of the game, right? The public school model was a feeder program for punching a clock at a job you're going to fucking hate for the rest of your life. Your bell rings, sit down, shut up, get to work. Bell rings, well, you have a break for lunch. Can I go outside and eat? No, you must eat in the cafeteria. Oh, and if you didn't bring your own food, we'll happily sell you the most processed, inexpensive, toxic fucking food available on the market. Bell rings, yeah, get back to work. No talking. Can I go to the bathroom? You have to ask to go to the bathroom. I can't believe I thought this was normal and acceptable. I'll take things that will give my young daughter anxiety for 200, please, Alex. Uh, what is having to ask out loud in front of all the other students in the room permission to go to the bathroom, to go relieve yourself? Yeah, that's not embarrassing at all. And hope oh, better hurry you the fuck up because if you take too long, everyone's going to know you just pooped at school. So the game says, go sit in prison to learn how to be a good worker bee. You'll transition nicely to the assembly line when you graduate. Oh, whoops. We don't have any more manufacturing jobs left. Sorry. Sorry, Johnny. We've exported all of our low-skill, well-paying manufacturing jobs out of this country in the 90s. So you'll have to go to college now and get a degree if you want to get a good job. Which brings us to another part of the game. You got to go to college. Got to get that degree, baby. Oh no, college is so expensive, I can't afford the in-state tuition of $32,000 a year to attend UMass. Nick, it says in-state tuition is only $16,000 a year. Yeah, it does say that if you Google it, but when you read the text below that dollar amount, it says after aid. Aid includes grants, scholarships from institutions and federal government. I've pointed this out previously, but worth repeating. Why is college so expensive now? It's very simple. The government guarantees student loans. Doesn't need to get any more difficult than that. No bank would ever give an unemployed 18-year-old student a $100,000 loan. Okay? That's the reality. So why is college so expensive and why do we have $1.8 trillion, $1 trillion in student loans? The government. When I went to college briefly, very briefly, in the late 90s, my out-of-state tuition was like six to $8,000 for an entire year. Today, that same school is $23,904. That's an increase of 200%. So the game convinces you that you need to get a degree to get a good job, and borrowing a shit ton of money is the way to do it. Okay, so what? Now you're 22, 23 years old, you're in debt, you have a degree, now what? Well, it's time to find a good job to afford that lifestyle that's been sold to you. Yeah, there's no time to figure out what gives you purpose or to take some risks and try to build something for yourself. Time for that shit's past because 
You were in the whole five or six figures from your college debt. Plus, you were never given the freedom or encouragement to explore any of your passions in the first 18 years of your life. So you might not even have a clue about what you want. And then in the game, from here, you spend the next 40 plus years working at a job you don't love, at a job that doesn't fulfill you, the pursuit of more money at the expense of your quality of life and time with your family. The game has made being a provider the focus because that ensures the game continues. Ooh, check out all this cool shit to buy. Look, look what your friends have. Oh, I'll get so many likes if I have that new car, the big house, or check these vacation pictures. The game I'm warning about makes us constant consumers of products of a better lifestyle. And this is where I found myself in my late 30s. House full of cool shit, good location, nice car, healthy food in the fridge. Had a nice vacation once a year, wife, two kids. Yeah. Problem was, in order to get all that cool shit and be a good provider for my family, I put work first. My job had priority over everything in my life whether that was conscious or not. And as a result, I found myself not taking my wife's pleas for me just to be home seriously. Sorry, babe, can't make that dance recital, gotta work. Sorry, babe, working all weekend. Sorry, babe, you and the kids will have to wait for me to be done providing. Then we can spend some time together. Oh yeah, and sorry that when I am home, I'm gonna be at a constant eight on the stress meter, you know, because of my job. I found myself not having the energy, the patience, or just the ability to pour in to the most important relationships in my life because of work. And this was my come to Jesus moment where I had to admit to myself I was a victim of the game. Victim of the good provider equals good husband slash father myth. And listen, it's not all bullshit, right? Public school might be a good fit for your kid. You know, maybe sports is really important to them. Cool, go for it. Maybe a wicked expensive college education is a right move for your kid. Doctors, lawyers, fucking STEM. There are some professions higher ed is a must. This doesn't apply to everyone, but I feel that this is the exception rather than the rule, right? For most of us, myself included, the game did not automatically provide me with a life of meaning and fulfillment. If it did, I don't think we would be at this point in history with all this angst and division and delusion displayed on a daily basis. Work first, family second, until you're, you know, retirement age, so 65 plus, whenever the hell that is. Now, for me, when I played my life forward, I was right where my parents ended up, right? I'm going to work my ass off for 30 years, give my family everything they could have asked for, whoops, accepts time with me. Now let's retire and enjoy life, right? Mm, uh, maybe, because now it's time to start over. I mean, you basically have to start dating your wife again after 40 plus years of marriage. And hopefully there's a shred of the old you that she still finds appealing. Probably not. Because, you know, ignoring your partner's needs for a few decades tends to leave a bad taste in their mouth. And hopefully your kids still talk to you. You not being present in their lives might present some challenges for you and some therapist co-pays for them. So for me, when I played this out of my head, I was going to spend my golden years either divorced and alone, and probably bitter as fuck that my ungrateful wife wasn't fulfilled with all my providing to stick around, or I'd be married to a woman who was so resentful of me because I never listened to a word she said and always put work first. Yeah, fucking good times. Woo! So once I admitted to myself that I wasn't 
as awesome as I thought I was, once I admitted that I wasn't the fucking super dad I thought I was, once I admitted I was misguided in what a good life was, only then am I able to see the game for what it is. It's just a clever distraction from living the best life for you. And what does living your best life even mean? In the simplest terms, to me, it means living a life that provides you purpose and gives you meaning. And I don't think you can lay out a blueprint for people to follow to get there. Because one's life experience is as unique as a human fucking being. Maybe asking yourself some questions can identify if you're on the right track for you. Or if you're on the right track for the game. Do you love what you do for a living? How do you prioritize obligations in your life? What's that pie chart look like? You know, who gets your energy? Work, family, yourself? What's that look like? And for extra credit, after you complete that little pie chart, ask your spouse to give you their opinion on that breakdown. Personally, I know I would have overrated the areas at home where I was clearly lacking in my wife's eyes. What do you want to do when you retire? Hey, if you only had a year to live, how would you spend your time? And those are great thought exercises because they eliminate all the daily excuses that get in our way. Well, I can't do that because of this self-imposed consequence. And perhaps asking yourself some questions like that can help you figure out what areas in your life are getting your attention and what areas are not getting the attention they deserve. Like, what is important to you? And if you say family, however, your job gets all of your energy and focus, well, then you might want to consider that hypocrisy because that's exactly where I was. Find out what your why is. Why do you get out of bed? Why do you fight for something? Friedrich Nietzsche said, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. So figure out your why, because when you have a why, then you can start to find meaning. I've been listening to a lot of Viktor Frankl who said, quote, a wish to find and to fulfill meaning is the basic motivation in human beings, right? If you're trapped in the game, then that becomes very difficult, if not impossible, because man is a machine in the game, right? He has the will to pleasure, uh, the will to seek power. The game distracts man's search for meaning pretty much in every life situation, the game distracts man's search for meaning in every life situation. The desire to find a meaning and go on to fulfill it. And it feels to me we have a lot of people suffering from this existential vacuum as a result of the game that we're all playing. Meaning they have a void in their lives manifested by apathy, boredom, lack of initiative, lack of interest. I mean, they do have a big interest in the world and take initiative to change something about the world to make the world better. And we've covered this many times, this new phenomenon of constant activism for global issues as a part of not dealing with your own issues that may be affecting you. It's way easier to pretend to change the world than to admit some hard shit to yourself that you are responsible for. Because for those people who find meaning and pursue meaning, they will never experience that inner void buried under the sense of lack of purposefulness. And we, on a daily basis, can seek meaning through three areas, the creative, the experience, and the attitude. The average person can find meaning in their day-to-day -day life just 
doing a deed or creating something. The average person can find meaning in their day-to-day life experiencing something. In the book, A Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl talks about the Jewish prisoners, which he was one of, that would go outside to look at the sunset. They were experiencing something without doing anything, without achieving anything. They just gave themselves the experience of something beautiful that was going on in the world. That gives you meaning. And I had a similar experience recently, not similar in the place and time, you know, 1940s Jewish death camp, but similar in experiencing something without doing anything, without achieving anything, just having an experience of something beautiful going on in the world. I recently took a walk in a state forest, no earbuds, no distractions, just me and the nature around me. And I fucking really enjoyed the experience and I was able to appreciate it in real time. I was able to slow down and have an experience. Personally, I have been guilty of driving way too fast for most of my life and missing all the cool experiences right in front of my face. Suddenly, Stop and Smell the Roses took on a new meaning for me, like I fucking get it now. Those mundane experiences give us meaning. They fill our body with meaning, leaving no room for that apathy, boredom, the lack of initiative, the lack of interest, all that bullshit can't get in. Another part of that experience piece of finding meaning is experiencing someone else in their uniqueness. And we've said a bunch, and it's just true. No two people are the same. So therefore, we are all unique. So just think about that. I am incomparable to any other human being. You are incomparable to any other human being. How fucking cool is that? So when we see the uniqueness, the essence, and, and, the, and the potential in another human being, not only is that amazingly rewarding of an experience for us, but it unlocks meaning in our lives. If you look at the, the top of those self-help pyramids, that self-actualization, where you realize your full potential, it's always on the top. All right, cool. How the hell do you do that? What, what the hell is that? And Frankel thinks this is what happens when you see the uniqueness, the essence, and the potentials in another human being. The result of that is self-actualization. That's a side effect of finding meaning. It's not a quest one goes on to find your full potential. I thought that was very interesting. And finally, the third way the average person can find meaning is in the attitude. Choosing the attitude you take when responding to suffering. There is a lot of suffering in life. Some say life is suffering. So it makes sense to me that choosing the right attitude is significant. And what does that look like? Well, imagine we're back in that Nazi death camp and there stands a naked Jewish prisoner, right? Stripped of every material thing they have ever fucking possessed in their entire life. Now, If your attitude was that material possessions were what mattered and gave you meaning, well, then you're fucked. But what if your attitude was that being, not having, is more important? Making the best out of a situation by adapting the proper attitude can give you meaning. If your attitude is being, is what's important, then there's nothing that can be taken from you. And those of us that have found meaning and can see the game for what it is now must try to help the people that are still stuck in the game. That's the whole point of this episode. 
I find myself wanting to work on that. It's too easy for me to look at others with contempt and just be like, oh, what the hell? But I want to be better so I can look at those with compassion and that would give me a better chance to help. My name is Nick and I'm a survivor of the game. Hi, Nick. And being a survivor, I've embraced the I don't know shit. That I, yes, I've made some bad decisions in my life. I will never know all there is to know. And this attitude of constant learning will never be over. Although the process of admitting I was hurting the ones I love the most is the hardest thing I've ever done, getting to the point where I say I was hurting the ones I loved the most instead of, well, you know, I was misguided. I was just a victim of the game, really. Getting there for me has brought a lot of clarity to my life. Fuck the expectations of this is just what we do. Gotta get a job, start working, earn some money. Oh, get good grades in school so you can go to college. Gotta go to college, get a degree to get a good job. Well, you need a good job to afford that lifestyle. Yeah, work until you're too old to fucking do anything. Postpone all of your dreams till the twilight of your life. Resist the game, resist those expectations, and I don't know, try finding some meaning and finding ways to fulfill that meaning. Find a worthy why. Find a worthy why the hell do you get out of bed every day. Truly experience every experience, every time, every day. Create something. And when you encounter suffering, having the right attitude will help turn any tragedy into preparation. We are building a religion. We are building it bigger. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for these pendant keychains. To resist it is useless. It is useless to resist it. His cigarette is burning, but he never seems to ash. He is grooming his poodle. He is living comfort eagle. You can meet at his location, but you'd better come with cash. Now his hat is on backwards. He can show you his tattoos. He is in the music business. He is calling you dude. Now today is tomorrow, and tomorrow today. And yesterday is weaving in and out. And the fluffy white lines that the airplane leaves behind are drifting right in front of the waning of the moon. He is handling the money. He's serving the food. He knows about your party. He is calling you dude. Yeah, do you believe in the one big sign? The double wide shine on the boot heels of your prime. Doesn't matter if you're skinny. Doesn't matter if you're fat. You can dress up like a sultan in your onion head hat.